Say hello to the bad guy, tax season. We here again with Cal Rochelle. Too short, what it look like, beloved? What's happening? What's up? How you feeling, man? Man, we here with a motherfucking legend. Hold on, we're going to reintroduce this motherfucker because I'm going to put some more respect on his name because <laughs> Too Short is a nigga that raised us also, man. I keep finding our forefathers and I'm getting them on the show. The nigga raised us. I don't know, I don't know about y'all niggas, but Too Short raised niggas. You dig know what I'm saying? <laughs> he taught niggas a lot, you know what I mean? That our daddies didn't. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> so, <laughs> we in the building with Too Short, the motherfucking pimp. <laughs> Yeah, man, you know, um, with me, it's it's just always been, you know, the music you listen to it and go, I think it's, I think he's going for like shock value. As a writer, we throw a little, you know, curveballs in there, talk a little extra shit. But honestly, if you just strip it down, you listen to artists like Too Short, the history of artists like E Forty, the history of the whole thing. It's just a lot of lessons, man. It's a lot, a lot of shit you can just get out of there. Yeah, and I, and I think hip hop in general has been doing that. For better or for worse. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yep, yeah, for better or for worse. So so who is Todd Shaw, man? I'm the dude who kicked back and saw that lane. I saw it. I saw I was rapping on the mic. I was young. I was in high school. It was the early 80s. It was uh, everything coming out of New York is what was official. And, you know, we out here on the West Coast, and we just kind of like, you don't really know where to go with it. So, you know, the, the early rhymes would have been something like, you know, I got on, I'm wearing blue, the girl in red. It's just some, you know, we, <laughs> yeah. we're trying to be a little Curtis Blow. We just, that's yeah, all we knew. Yeah, it's yeah. just, you recite some nursery rhymes or something, just anything that the words rhyme, just say it. I think for guys like me, that era where the first song that really did it was the message, Grandmaster Flash, Furious Five, the message. Because mm. everybody was having this lollygagging ass party rap. Sometimes you feel that way now. Like, let's get, man, get serious, say something. But, you know, rap kind of came out as just bragging. And just, you know, the stuff I was, I was hearing was just bragging and just kind of talking about what's going on in the moment. And then Melly Mel came with them bars about the streets in New York and, the you know, the hardships of the ghetto and just what he was singing. And it was so visual that I just, I just got the idea I should just start rapping about what I see. What, and what I saw was Oakland. Mm -hmm. And it was that real up close. You go look at a... I'm talking like 1981, 82. You go look at an old 1970s movie, those old fucking, uh, you know, Rudy Ray Moore and all them shits, the black exploitation. Mm -hmm. Oakland looked like that. It looked like it, they filmed the movie The Mac in Oakland, and it looked like that. Mac, like at that it. time I was rapping, it looked like that. So I was just like, it was a canvas to just, you know, just, I, I don't know, man. It made all my early. And that's who you became, like yeah. the hip-hop Mac. That, <laughs> That pimp shit was really up close. Like, you know, I went to high school with, with pimps mm -hmm. who were pimping in, in high school. Straight the fuck up. So, you know, it was it was that lifestyle. It wasn't it wasn't some make-believe-ass shit. The game that I was spitting had to be certified. Before you even say I was learning something, it had to be certified eye-to-eye -eye amongst the pimps and players I knew in Oakland. Because mm -hmm. they, they would be like, it's a small town. They're like, what's this bullshit you talking? You know, so I had to keep it that real. That I see these cats every day, and if I wasn't representing, then it was the music wasn't authentic. What What was that record that you made that made you realize that you really was about to make it doing this hip hop shit? Um, well, Freaky Tales was the one we started making a lot of money on, mm -hmm. but before that, I had been doing these songs that were really accepted in NorCal and anywhere somebody would take it, they tell me like take it to college. And you make everybody in, in your in your dorm like it, or you take it to 
to the, the cities where your cousins live, and then you make everybody like it. But it was uh, these songs I had. Uh, the first one was called "Girl, That's Your Life." And it was a rapping of the girl represented cocaine, mm-hmm. and it was talking about uh, people smoking the pipe. This is 1985, and it was just devastating the, the neighborhood. It just started to the crack epidemic. Yeah, it wasn't even called that. It was called smoking cocaine. <laughs> they hadn't given it a nickname yet, yeah. and and we could just see early on that shit was turning people into like zombies. So. I rapped about it, and I just was rapping about the the part where people say they like doing it, and the part where, where lives get destroyed, and just put it down. And then I had another song called uh, "Playboy Short," which that music later became the music for um, like ten years later. E forty brought it back and used it for Rapper's Ball, but that was some music. The music that bass line, those drums. Mm-hmm. I, I, that was a beat I made way back in eighty five. It's called "Playboy Short," and it was. On one end, I'm talking about, you know, what's going on in the streets. Girl, that's your life, smoking that pipe. Then on the other end, I'm just like, look, I'm Playboy Short. I'm this new nigga on the mic, and I'm telling you right now, I'm a real fucking player. And that just, <laughs> and, it, and it just, it was that, that's the way I bragged. I interpreted what was coming out of New York to bragging. My mm-hmm. bragging was about playing, playing girls and just, you know, just the player lifestyle. Motherfucking too short, man. <laughs> and it was it was a lane that that nobody had. And you said who was Todd Shaw? He's the guy who saw all that shit. Mm-hmm. I recognize that shit, and I'm like, watch this, man. I'm right right here. I'm gonna say fuck that bitch. And then people like <laughs> people like, oh shit. <laughs> it just shit just worked. Got that shock value popping, and you was lit. and spitting real game though. Uh, so it's yeah, like definitely spitting real game. That's how I went. I was I was famous before I had money. I was like famous around Oakland and shit. I would mm-hmm. just sit on the bus stop, no dough, just <laughs> watching niggas ride by, bumping my shit in cars. I was having pocket chains, selling tapes and shit. But it was like how many how many units you sold by yourself? Because you was on your independent ground, right? Well, in the early days, we used to just sell just random ass cassettes on the streets. Just it could be any number of cassettes that day or that week. I had a rap partner named Freddie B. And that's what we did. But then I really started making records in 1985. And we would do, you know, at the time, we probably do like 25000 30000 And then right before I got signed to Jive, I started my own label, my own independent label with me and my homies. And we put out uh, that album, Born to Mac with Freaky Tales, and that shit sold about probably about 60000 independent. That's, that's, that's a few hundred thousand. It works. And then we signed on to the major label, which... Made me too short famous, but I could have stayed on that independent grind and not been so famous, but it would have still been the same shit on a smaller scale. I, I think I made the right choice, though. You was one of the first motherfuckers to go platinum, right? Six platinums in a row. <laughs> uh, one double platinum, four gold albums. I was, on a, I was on a roll for a long time. Nigga, what? Say that again? It started, it started in 88. From 88 to about... 2000 I did Not too a, many niggas Could say they was Platinum <laughs> In 88 <laughs> Yeah Six, six in a row Many times That's, over Yeah And then do that But you know The thing was The funny part is That uh Here we are Like you know Selling tapes in the streets We doing house parties And shit We just like Little niggas Just happy With what we getting And they put us On that stage On that arena Where it's like Everybody's looking At your shit Your shit is in Every store across the country mm-hmm. And a nigga sold X amount of records and seen that check. And I was like, nigga, it's the same shit we've been doing. Like, like, are you serious? If I rap, you're going to give me a check to 700000 All right, watch this. I was making albums like every nine months. Like, <laughs> like the label. Yeah. The you label. Okay, it's supposed to work like this. The labels send you the money. 
the budget. You make the album, mm-hmm. and then you send it to them, and then they send you the back end, and you sitting there, you're like waiting on the money. We would send the album completed before we even got the upfront money. Like just like here go albums, and they so they just had to give me all the budget at once. But mm-hmm. the album was already done. I'm like, we owned our own studio, mm-hmm. we did our own production, and it's just like it was to me. I was looking at this shit like you are gonna keep giving me all this fucking money, <laughs> and all I gotta do is make songs. The easiest shit we know how to do. It was a piece of cake. So so what came first, the pimping or the rapping? Um, I would have to say the love for the game was in me before I even knew what hip hop was, mm-hmm. and I wasn't necessarily. Attracted to pimping for the fact that you like doing this thing to women. I was like into the whole look of it. I was like, them the flyest motherfuckers on earth. Like, <laughs> like this nigga is driving a car with four bitches and can't none of them sit in the front seat. They all got sit in the back. I was like, I want to do that shit. So I wasn't even oh, like, shit. And you know, the, that and the, the look of it is the beautiful part because, you know, back when I was coming up, this was before the crack hit mm-hmm. and there was no such thing as a crack whore and and hoes looked like models. They looked good. It was like they had to get it. And I just, um, I kind of didn't take to the dark side of it. And the dark side of it is if you really want to be a pimp, that's pretty much probably all you should could be doing because it's so time consuming exactly and the shit is so stressful (laughs) (laughs) you sitting there going okay this bitch is out here uh putting her life at risk her body and and all this shit but that shit stresses a pimp the fuck out because all that stress that she goes through out there is coming right back to you and then you want to have you want you want two hoes you want three hoes i couldn't do it no more because it was like stressful like it's a know. mind fuck like it's yeah. like and guys who pimp for life they know that shit that the competition might not necessarily be cut like they are and they like they like they see it come and go i, I didn't see niggas i said nigga turn his girlfriend out and he just was learning from a pimp i mean you gotta tell her this do this he taking pimp lessons she turns into a hoe. She's a, a winner. She's a flying, just high, loving it. Fucked him up in the head to see his girlfriend. I say, that confuses the fuck out of me because I'm That's not sure crazy. how you can watch no, somebody. Said, he quit pimping. He ended up in church. His baby mother on the track. That, yeah. <laughs> he ended up in church, a devout member of the church. She's still hoeing. Oh, he can't get it. He can't go home. He, he felt fucked up oh. to this day. He can't, get enough, he, he can't get enough forgiveness. Damn, <laughs> yo. Nah, real shit. That shit is some emotional. So yeah, you know, stressful I, shit. I took to the glam side of it and kind of just, you know, even pimps came to me. The real pimps came to me over the years. They was like, man, you know, with this whole crack thing and this image. You know, the pimp image got real shady. Later on, late eighties into the nineties, they started making fun of pimps. You remember movies like uh, "I'm gonna get you sucker" when he walk, walking <laughs> walking down the with street the and in the, the field. It's just, yeah. They just start kind of clowning pimps in movies and just in the culture because they was wearing. Suits, matching suits and shoes and shit and rhyming and shit. And it was, you know, you know about the new pimps? What's the new pimps? You niggas look like rappers. Instagram? No, I'm talking about the real ones. They look like rappers and they drive the same cars rappers drive. Yeah. And they fucking, you wouldn't even, you wouldn't even recognize them right now. Yeah, because they don't dress like the flamboyant. And- uh-uh, these niggas just look like rappers. <laughs> <laughs> How much money is in that shit? Like, I really, that. Uh, rough, a rough, a rough figure if you're doing it. On a medium scale, like just I'm not because the big scales it gets big, but we don't we don't really we don't really promote the uh, the niggas who stand on a bitch's shoulder on the street corner and be like bitch turn that trick for a little or nothing we don't we don't promote that, but if you're doing it like good medium upper scale, you figure two girls will bring you I don't know 
thirty, forty a month, easy. If oh they, my God. yeah, thirty, forty racks. That's that's regular. Bitch, better get about fifteen to twenty each in a month. How many? How many and you how many ever had in your stable? I've never pimped over two girls, and I've never turned a girl out. And the only reason I ever pimped two girls is because they came to me and said, "Will you be my pimp?" I've oh. never, ever, ever gotten to that shit. And I promise you, you can ask my homies. When I was doing that shit, I was like, "Nigga, will somebody please take these bitches from me? <laughs> I got a, I got a show to do this weekend, nigga, and they don't make as much money as I do on stage. <laughs> it ain't worth it. Mm-hmm. How it ain't many worth it. men is a girl sleeping with to make fifteen thousand dollars a month? Uh, damn, you really want to do the math? Deadass, yeah. I don't. Yeah, because there's I some women out there with, that yeah, would I like don't... to get into that field. Yeah, I... No, not for that reason. I'm no, I'm curious. No, I'm not saying for you, <laughs> but there's some women that's listening to this show that might want a job. Yeah, I would. I would say, Kelly, if you want that information, you'd have to probably like join up with somebody who. <laughs> I'm who sitting in front of somebody that knows the answer, so I'm asking the question. I can't. So two people. I can't turn you out. I can't do it. Oh, you ain't turning. <laughs> You'll never get the there. opportunity to. We've worked together for six yeah, you years. Homie, you know I, I don't fall on that side I can't of the do line. Because if However, I tell you this game, you're gonna run to it. No, I'm not. I get. I get good money. <laughs> I got money. That's never. You know what I'm saying? It's to Kelly. We could read Kelly ain't going for that shit. But still, you know I get money. I just, I, you know, that ain't my concern. I just, I feel like that's an intimate thing, though. That whole turn out, that whole that's what what you're doing right now is called the interview. You trying to you trying to interview, see what kind of game I got to see. No, I dead ass just really was curious. It's not deeper than that. No, I think I just, it was deeper. Than how that. many men? I don't. I don't. <laughs> so I'm gonna give you the answer to your question. Very few. Pass me that water, Jesus. Because the best of the best, the last thing they, the last resort is actual sex. The best of the best. That's a fact. Because you got this image of prostitution being this street thing. But we, we don't condone that thing, that whole low-level street thing about $20 blowjobs and shit. Yeah, at a $20 blowjob, she's going to do a lot of fucking to get them numbers, but that ain't what we're talking about. Yeah, because life was real when I was doing it. It definitely was on point. I think it was about $40 blowjobs and some shit, my nigga. And now you take that same game. Up, she beat us up 62 dicks, come back to the car, face oh hurt. God, I can't. My jaw hurt. I'm like, that's, you want to hear the dark side. I'm, I'll tell you about the glamorous side. She, she walks in the room and comes out with $1,000, and all she did was touch his balls and tell him uh, something that made him laugh. Yep, squeezed his balls. I know a couple chicks just spanking asses, pissing on niggas. Yeah, it's, it's I ain't like, mad at you. It's it's whatever you do, but the last resort when you really get that money is a uh, is to actually st- actually stick it in. But check this out, you know my my favorite shit. I never dabbled in it, but I researched it and I was like, this is dope. This fucking Ivy League uh, escorts, that's the shit. These bitches charging fifty, sixty racks for a weekend just to hang out, and you, it ain't got nothing to do with sex. So it's the whole thing, like you got. Some high-powered lawyer motherfucking Wall Street motherfucker who wants to hang out with a bitch who actually graduated from an Ivy League school. But she's a hoe. This all came about during like the, uh, that one the during the recession. Dude got caught with that one girl, right? The Ashley. You got a chick with a, with a fucking uh, master's degree from an Ivy League school who's unemployed. She ain't finna go do no low-budget shit. So somebody discovered that, that shit and it worked. There's that many out there. <laughs> That many you out are, there with degrees. You're a, you're a super intelligent businessman who got to take a trip to fucking somewhere far the fuck away. And you leaving the wife back. You want to bring a hoe or you want to bring a, bring an Ivy League escort? <laughs> you know, and the difference sense. between five racks and fifty racks. What is it? Makes sense. It makes sense. 
So this bitch coming home fifty thousand dollars. She left Friday. She get back Monday. She got fifty thousand. Shout out to y'all chicks out there going to make fifty thousand in a weekend. I don't care what yeah, you I had to do. That. If you came back alive, sister, you just had a good day job. You just had yeah, a good day at at your job. All. It's so much undercover hoeing, undercover hoeing in L.A. That looks, I, I it, think that's sure everywhere. It looks like boyfriend and girlfriends, a, a sugar daddy and little mama. That shit is. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> It's a, it's a lot of different forms of hoeing these days, though, man. Yeah, Some go. of these chicks are just hoeing for pictures now. All you got to yeah. do is fly them somewhere where it's sunny, and they cool. They just want some pictures, some pictures for pussy. That's what I call it. Instagram changed the game for like, this. Like, yeah, that shit ain't shit. So I just spent 2000 pictures and pussy. If a chick is on Rodeo Drive swiping up and down in every store, mm-hmm. and that credit card has a man's name but it's not her husband, she hoeing. Or she from Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't talking about the swipe swipe. Yeah. I'm talking about the he gave it to her and said, Go go shop it, baby. Yeah. That swipe. <laughs> oh shit. Word up. Yo, what was the most ignorant thing you first bought when you got your rap money? Uh I think um I look back on some pictures and I went and got uh I bought Seven gold rings, and I would about eight, but one of them covered two fingers, so I only needed yeah. seven. I got a lot of pictures. Where I'm wearing these seven gold rings. There ain't a diamond in one of them. <laughs> it's just seven gold rings with just Playboy bunny carved in initials. I, just, I mean, I, I thought that's how you had to do it, man. So I walk. I don't. I, I remember somebody telling me, "Boy, you got money, bro. Get some diamonds. Like, like you gotta, uh, you gotta upgrade from your gold." Mm-hmm. And I probably uh, <laughs> after that I, I think I went way the fuck the other way and just went over gold over diamonds too much. I'm, I got pictures of me walking around with these big ass ropes that's almost bigger than me. <laughs> I, just, I don't know. We just did it, man. We did it. We did it. You had to live life. You was young. How, how old was you when you got your deal? Uh, when I started making records, I was nineteen. When I uh, really signed a deal and was really getting it, I was like twenty one, twenty two. Mm. And it was, uh, you know, never looked back. We went. We, I was on that NWA tour. The the tour, the movie. Yeah, I was, out of I was about to ask you about that. Yeah, I was. That was your first tour you was on. That was that was my first tour. That was their first tour. That was I was the group that went on right before NWA. NWA was a headliner, and Easy E personally got at me like, like your records is hot. Love your music. You know, you want to go out. And he knew uh No doubt about it. At that point in time, in, in nineteen eighty nine, that was you know we had just come, coming off really good years. In 88 with hot singles, and then we both dropped hot albums in 89. It's like, let's go. How was that tour? It was uh, it was way wilder than that movie. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> they watered that shit down. We, people people who were around then, they was like, that wasn't the story, but that was like that was a really good story. Like it was a good fucking movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was a lot of shit. And, and what, what, I heard, what 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 what's completely different from what's the truth was? But I heard Ice Cube said he said, "Man, it ain't enough time to shoot the real, the movie. The, the truth, yeah. you, can't, you fucking need a twenty hour movie." But um, I think like they they wanted to tell a story. They wanted to get the whole story crammed into two hours or whatever. And it was just a lot of dynamics to the relationships that. They couldn't pull off that fast, you know. Couldn't develop the story, you know. Just the, the dynamics between, you know, all of them, how they came and went and intertwined with DLC and Suge and and the Dragon Cube and all those niggas in the group, and you know, just they, they couldn't tell the story. And then it's like, 
50 niggas that was like right next to every scene. It's like, nigga, I was there. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. You wrote me out the movie, nigga. <laughs> you know? I, I thought about that too. I said, I bet you it's a lot of beef over here about the NWA movie. I, I heard it. It's like, nigga, I was standing right there that day. It, he said this. He said, I'm like, I don't, I don't think they wanted to tell the, word, the story word for word. Mm -hmm. It was just trying to make a good movie out of what happened. So, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that shit had to be some funny shit. Niggas, that For shit real. was wilder than the movie. I believe you. I believe you. Y'all motherfuckers was mad young, getting money. Yeah. I mean, that's that's. I, I, I really admire the young cats right now that get to go through that same experience because we get a little older and wiser and we love to throw around young, dumb motherfuckers, all that. But damn, it's fun to be young and dumb. It was young and dumb all <laughs> that Ain't nothing more fun than that shit. So mm -hmm. I'm like, do it. Hopefully you survive it. I tell you right now, if you're young and smart, that's a really good thing yeah. <laughs> to, to kind of like not go over gold, over diamonds and buy too many cars and and spend your money on all your chicks and fucking spend all your money on weed and think it's going to you're not you're not going to make that same money every year. Mm -hmm. You're not. It's not going to last forever. So unless you're doing this young, smart things, you know, you, you might not make it. But mm -hmm. we survived it. You know, you talk to you talk. I always wondered, man, how. What was the what was the energy like when you did the record with Biggie during the point where the West Coast and East Coast was like beefing so much? Uh, the energy amongst me and the Death Row crew, amongst me and the Bad Boy crew was just homies. It was homies. Mm -hmm. And I had to, not like in a, even like a hostile way, but I just had to be like, look, man, I feel like what's going on is between y'all. This ain't no East Coast, West Coast thing. I, mm -hmm. I feel like I seen how it started. I seen what it was about. I'm telling this to them. Like, I, I feel like it's between y'all. I'm from Oakland. It looked like some New York, L.A. shit to me. Niggas is jumping up talking about East Coast, West Coast. It ain't it ain't even New York, L.A. thing. It's a bad boy death row thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm not finna get in that, man. So don't try to go tell me to, to not be his friend or something. And I used to notice that, uh, you know, cats like Snoop, Biggie, man, they wasn't really invested in that. Like, like you would think, like, like, like some cats around that was throwing shots from the east back to the west, and yeah. you know, Pac and Suge was obviously invested in it deep. They was emotionally attached to it. They wanted to. They was really the ones feeling it. Mm -hmm. But everybody wasn't like for that, man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, a lot of bandwagon dudes, the media, a lot of motherfuckers made that shit up to be like something that it wasn't, because. Nigga, I was hanging out. I was, yeah, I was hanging out in Brooklyn. Niggas wasn't running up on me talking about West Coast nigga die. It wasn't like that. <laughs> yeah, so it wasn't. It wasn't a lot of street niggas or niggas. niggas it wasn't like this war that went down, man. It, it seems that way because we lost yeah, really the fucking rappers in the end. That was the bullshit. Yeah, like, how yeah. did we lose? Like, they was scratching his head. Like, what happened? These niggas are dead. But it wasn't this fucking watch your back war going on. It wasn't like that. It wasn't at all. And that's what it really was. It was the it was the media. The media and the spectators make shit always worse because you got the people that's talking and then now they amping you up and then the media's saying this and now you And like, then we end up with two unsolved murders and a whole lot of stories after this shit's happened. Mm -hmm. It's so bad it's to the point that I be feeling sad if I say something about either Tupac or Biggie, I gotta get a response back about the other rapper. Like it don't matter what it is. Like, a nigga could be like, yo, damn, yo, rest in peace to Afini Shakur. And a nigga pop up and say, but Biggie, moms, and stop. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you niggas? Yeah. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> like, hey, it don't matter what you say. It's like you got to attach the two now. And it's like, my nigga, it wasn't that shit. That issue was between them. But the, in the media. But you remember Big and them always kept saying, man, we didn't fucking set you up. That shit just was some shit that happened. Because, mm-hmm. you, you know, at that time when, when, when the shit went bad, it was it all went bad because Pac got shot at the studio that day. Mm-hmm. Then he had had that fucking rape case where he didn't rape nobody. Like the security guard fucked the girl or something. And they said, Pac told her, dude, he went to jail for that shit. Yeah. But he got shot right before he went to jail. So you in New York, you go in the studio. Biggie was his homie. Mm-hmm. He was pretty much hanging out together all the time. He was going to the studio to meet them. Mm-hmm. So you go into the studio, you get shot. And then right after that, they go put you in jail. You shot. In New York, in jail, in New York, you get pretty salty. Yeah, <laughs> nigga, like, be mad as fuck. but th- and th- and this is part of the things that I was explaining to niggas. I'm like, yo, my nigga, you get in that, put in that position. Yeah, you get shot. You start thinking outlandish shit, especially when you get victimized. I remember when so, I got shot, I smacked the nigga that shot me. Right, he was by himself, and then I thought I got set up. I was in the hospital, like, who set me up? I'm like, what? Come to why he set me up? I walked up on a nigga and smacked the shit out of him. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, but he, but Pac, he, he said, he gave so many clues and so many songs. He told everybody how he felt. People heard the story a million times. He felt that that's what happened. Yeah. yeah so and you couldn't, I can't Nicole tell, Pac, you can't change that. that rat all the time. The West Coast niggas today is going to kill me. Because I say, yo, son, I feel like, I like Tupac ratted because nobody knew. About what was really going on Like if he didn't say It came home. from bad boy or whatever We would have never knew Yeah he could have just Like he could like, he could, If he was on some like, like My guys would have been like Shut the fuck up Exactly Act accordingly So what I was telling The reason that shit came up Cause this kid came up with a, a scenario A situation <laughs> I said listen my nigga Tupac did that Ain't nobody say nothing If you do that shit right now Niggas gonna have memes of you on Instagram Calling you a rat And everything else in the world but Tupac got away with it. And I said, I don't know if he meant what he said or it just was for entertainment purposes. You know what I mean? And it, it went big as far as it was equivalent to shit that would go viral. That that whole energy went viral. Exactly. And, and it, it caught it caught on with all these West Coast rappers that was throwing shots back in the East. It was it was so random, man. The niggas who was jumping in on. I, was, I even had niggas. Uh, uh, it was. Uh, I'm going to tell, tell you a true story. Pimp C. Didn't want to do the Big Pimpin' song because he was like, man, I don't fuck with nobody that Tupac don't fuck with. <laughs> <laughs> and Bun B talked him oh, into it. Shit. I was co-signing like, man, dude, that's Jay-Z. Nigga, do the damn song, man. Yeah. Like, for real, like, it, was, it was just that serious. Damn, man. That serious. Yeah, but yo, me, motherfucker, as a kid, I had to become an adult and a man to appreciate Tupac because I liked Tupac at one point, and then as soon as they started beefing, it was like it really caused a separation where it was like, I'm riding, I'm from the East Coast, nigga. And then when I really got older, I'm realizing all this nigga music that I skipped over that was good, I was like, what the fuck? The story like, I like- never heard a friend like me was Scarface and Pac. I was like, this is crazy. <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, that's the part of the story that I like to bring the light is that dudes was like best friends man i just seen in the news today that suge knight is um soon chris, chris brown, brown for, that for the shooting that happened when he got shot in the club like suge knight like who is suge knight like as far as like who who do you see him as in hip-hop you know what i mean especially as far as i, uh, I think suge, i think suge did uh he did something that's historical which was he put that death row team together, mm-hmm. and 
I just think that I, I can't say young and dumb on that. I just think that he just didn't run the ship right when it came to that point where it was the whole bad boy death row beef. Like that shit shouldn't have led to like it shouldn't have been on some like murder death kill shit. It would it would have been a bomb ass ongoing until it feel until it fizzed out little battle a few records yeah. and shit and it would have been cool if we, you know we mm-hmm. didn't have to be like playing on, on the on the gangster level but take all that away and and you just say we don't have a lot of hip hop heroes that rose up to be like you know worth a half a billion dollars 400 million or whatever and then you you don't got it man you, you know you don't got it no more you know that's like crazy, that's right? that's hard to just that ain't no MC Hammer shit I, hey Niggas be talking about MC Hammer fucked off all the money and all this shit, but I swear MC Hammer ain't never went broke, man. That <laughs> uh, Shout he, out to he, Hammer. I never hated on Hammer, B. I don't know. He probably filed some bankruptcies and shit mm-hmm. and, and got rid of some some pu- motherfuckers that was bill collecting and shit. And Hammer been balling the whole time, balling right now. Mm-hmm. But to not to have four hundred million and then not to have it, I don't know where Sugar is at with that right now. Yeah. But I do know that that was like. That was the foundation of something that should have lasted forever. Suge might need sixty dollars in his commissary right now, but, I, but that shit should have lasted forever. You mm-hmm. built up something that's worth four hundred million. Yeah, that and catalog. from what I was hearing, he did, he wasn't paying Pac. They were saying Pac ain't get shit. Yeah, I, I don't know the inner workings of the death row um, uh, county, mm-hmm. but I do know that that was a real solid. You know, you you seen labels get built? That was catalog. That was. That was a lot of fucking money. Yes, yeah. Definitely. And it's like that shit should have never died down. So, you know, I just feel like that's how I, that's how I look at him as mm-hmm. a mogul who, for whatever reason, I don't know, I man, you, sh- you should have never let that go. Mm-hmm. And that would have been handling all those, your people taking care of them, spreading the wealth properly. It would have been get rid of all the, um, you know, the, the gangster shit, you, you know, the industry the guy's obviously uh, somebody who, who could make some shit happen, but the industry, after what all he did, they wouldn't even, people scared to work with him. Mm-hmm. What kind of shit is that? You like, niggas are scared to work with you? He's hanging niggas off the balcony. Like, once you do that, once a nigga look off that balcony, <laughs> <laughs> nigga hang me off the balcony. <laughs> Nigga, I went off the label. <laughs> nigga, ain't you off the balcony? If you see a nigga hanging nigga off the balcony, you might look at him different. I gotta but look, look nigga. what Dr. Dre did, man. Dr. Dre, at the height of death row, walked away and said, "I don't even want my money." That, yeah, now that's that's, that's a loud ass statement. Yeah, that that yeah, tells you enough. If you didn't know shit about nothing, that speaks volumes. You owe me with some cancer. You owe me them the half of that, one fourth of that. That's mine. You could have it. Now. I'm just going. Gone. I want it out. So and now he the one on top. Shout out to motherfucking Dr. Dre. <laughs> I mean, even even uh, Snoop. Remember Snoop went to Master P's label. I remember I was heartbroken. So yeah, I niggas was are like Snoop, Snoop Dogg gonna go to New Orleans. Snoop Dogg on no limit. That don't make sense. But then talk to Snoop and he'd be like, "Nigga, Master P saved my life. Mm-hmm. He gave me a job when I when I was didn't know which way to go. And that's mm-hmm. hey, and he ball, Snoop is balling right now. He he, he went he walked away with nothing. Mm-hmm. This is some shit. I, I kind of get the feeling like. What you just said, maybe Tupac was getting ready to walk away with nothing. But we got robbed on, on Pac and Biggie, man. Pac was about to, uh, he was about to make a lot of movies. So we look at these these rapper-turned-movie stars, the Ice Cubes, the Queen Latifah. Uh, who am I missing? Um, who am I missing that really did good? The rappers that took lo- long movie careers. I just had them all in the brain. They went away. Um, Queen, you got um, 
Will Smith. That's what I'm thinking. But I'm thinking Tupac's chops was so good that had he made the right moves, lined up with the right agent manager, and just you know picked the right flicks, I think the boy was on to like Tupac could have played Spider Man. B. I think, (laughs) but I think he was going in some Will Smith Denzel direction of uh, he would have. That motherfucker was smart, and he he knew how to act. The motherfucker knew I, 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 I think that's what we got cheated out of pocket. Obviously, he was gonna make nineteen thousand million more songs, mm-hmm. but I think we missed a good, a great body of movie work. And then big, and we missed a lot of fucking. We missed Pac had more shit to tell niggas. Like, yeah, yeah, I always felt like speech. the nigga had a passion in him. He he had a foresight and with certain things like he had more shit to tell us. Like, and that's why he he still got so much shit that he's still saying today because he had so much shit to tell niggas. And my Biggie shit. You look at Biggie. Biggie was uh with Puffy, and you know I think I think that was of all the things you might have think Puff did. I don't think he was gonna do Big wrong ever. I don't think so because I don't think he was positioned where he wanted to be against Big. It was like mm-hmm. the most special thing to him. Um, but you look at Jay Z, and Jay Z took everything like Biggie was like a hero of his, and it, it was such a loss that he took so much of what Biggie was and said, "I'm I'm a I'm a be that too." Mm-hmm. So I feel like what you get, what you miss from from losing a Biggie, is something some something of Jay Z. And something that P. Diddy, some of all that where they evolved to and got so damn big, Big was going somewhere, man. Yeah. And he was to motivate Jay Z so much, and Jay Z became that. What was Biggie gonna become? You know? Yeah. yeah. And, and and Puffy, I mean, really, these motherfuckers was twenty four. That's the thing. Yeah. They were so young. Twenty four. Like so them niggas was young. intellectuals, my nigga. They was twenty, both of them, on two different scales. Like yeah, Pac was like a revolutionist, and and Big was a fucking witty ass author. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So we got robbed. We got robbed as a hip hop community, as a, a popular culture fans. We got robbed. Something, something was coming. Great that we just got cheated. A you're right. Free Shook Knight. Free Shook Knight. <laughs> Not to be blessed. I don't got no beef with Shook Knight no more. I did as a child. I had beef with Shook Knight. I had beef with Tupac. I had beef with everybody. It was death row for a minute in my head. I was a kid, nigga. I used, nigga. Y'all think I was a kid in my room? Like I used to look at videos like. Like, I get mad when she ain't nothing but a gangster party. Look. <laughs> this week's episode of Tax Season is brought to you by Casper Mattress. The Casper is the obsessively engineered mattress at the shockingly fair price. Time Magazine named it one of the best inventions of 2015. In fact, it's now the most awarded mattress of the decade. It combines springy latex and supportive memory foams to create an award-winning sleep surface with just the right sink and just the right bounce. Casper understands the importance of truly sleeping on a mattress before you commit especially considering you're going to have to spend your third of your life on it buying a Casper mattress is completely risk free. Casper offers free delivery and free returns with the 100 night home trial. 100 nights in your own home and if you don't love it, they'll pick it back up and they'll refund everything. Get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting www.casper.com slash tax and using offer code tax terms of conditions apply beloved you understand me right after big's funeral not long after mm-hmm. I, I was living in atlanta at the time and it was a lot of cali cats in atlanta a lot of new york cats and before that probably even after that they used to do this thing in the club where they play um they're like uh where new york at where cali at and just kind of like in a 
because it's college kids in Atlanta, kind of like in a fun party way, mm-hmm. kind of pit the two sides against each other and then play records, the Eastern records of whatever was popping at the time and then whatever was popping in the West and everybody show pride and shit. And um, there's always like a lot of people from all over the place, New York, Detroit, and Atlanta, so it's, you know, melting pot. So I'm I'm in this club. I, I'll never forget what club it was. It was Atlanta Live, and you had to be like, a VIP to get from this back staircase up to the VIP stairs, up to the VIP area. Mm-hmm. And even if you can get VIP in the main stairs, you you had to be somebody to get past that one guard that would let you go up and down that back staircase. And I'm floating right through the club by myself. You get down at the bottom, you in general population. You get up to the top, you in VIP. I was coming downstairs, from downstairs going up. And I bumped into this nigga, a nigga like four stopped me, like, like my nigga, I gotta tell you something. Like, like a nigga bigger than me, kind of gangster looking nigga, just, and he was, he was talking like real emotional. Nigga was like, nigga, I'm from Brooklyn, man. He's like, he's like, right now, it's the first thing he said to me. He said, right now, if a nigga say to me, he from Cali, I'ma kill him. <laughs> and he said, and he said, he said, but my nigga Big always spoke highly of you. I just wanted to say something, something, you know, just something. Yeah. That nigga had me for one minute. I was like, I'm finna die <laughs> on the staircase. Oh shit! Behind this shit, man. <laughs> but hey, that was the just a real moment in life. But that nigga was that nigga was as dead as serious as a nigga be. He said, nigga, if a nigga say the word Cali, this was right after the funeral. He's like, nigga, I'ma kill a nigga. My nigga, that shit was an emotional moment in Brooklyn, boy. <laughs> Word up. I remember my cousin called me from, from the airport. She's working at the airport. She seen little C's and them coming back. Like, them niggas must have flew back immediately or some shit. Oh, somebody from Junior Mafia. And she was like, yo, they said Biggie died. I'm like, what? And she called me like five in the morning and some shit over here. I'm like, what? Mike, what the fuck you mean, bitch? Like, what? And I was, that nigga said shit. Nigga, I was crying in my room. I'm like, Jesus Christ, niggas done killed Biggie. <laughs> <laughs> that shit was tough. Yeah, we can't lose no more legends, man. We can't lose no more. Yep, and uh, you know, hip hop plays that fine line. Though we play that fine line. I listen to, a lo- I listen to, I read, I look at online, and, and a lot of energy that our young rappers is putting out there, man. They, you, it's hard to detach, you know, from that immediate circle of homies. You from the hood? You, it's hard to say I don't want to be a part of that or I'm not a part of it. And there's a lot of cats that's selling that right now. And I'm just like, but at some point you got to. If you on top of the <laughs> charts, you going on tour, all this shit, man. Your homies, for one, you you shouldn't even have to say to your homies, "Hey, man, let me go do this good job and not be so so much a, a part of the criminal element." And he, if, even without you saying that, your homeboys be like, "Man, don't fuck around with us when we doing this shit." You know what I'm saying? Go do that legit shit, and if you could pull some of us into that legit shit, pull us in. But don't gang bang or or the streets is real, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I'm just like nigga. My homies, my homies would tell me from day one, a nigga come get me, we'd be somewhere out, and a nigga say, hey, you should leave right now. I don't say, why? I don't be like, nigga, I'm having fun. And nigga look me dead in my eyes and say, you should leave right now. You just dip you right up. Fuck up out of there. You read about it in the paper the next day. Be safe, though, nigga. Take, take heed to all warnings. Yeah. But a nigga could have just act, reacted because... The shit that's going down, there's people that be like, oh, that's short and them folks. If I get away, I'm the, I'm the famous face. Go away. We're about to do some shit. Mm-hmm. We don't need that, that, you know, that too short standing right there going over. I saw too short. Yeah, yeah. Let's sue too short. <laughs> Yo, you, so you from the Bay, but you live in L.A. What's the difference between the Bay and L.A.? About 400 miles. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you want to think of it in New York terms, what's 400 miles from where you live? 
Um, I don't even know. There's a lot of shit. Philly, Philly is closer than that. It's a six-hour drive. Oh, six hours? Oh, yeah. That shit kind of far. Yeah. Five if you want to do like 90, 95 miles an hour. Five and a half, yeah. If you keep keep it on about 90. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is a straight, the, the highways are straight away. Five. Who got the better chicks, the Bay or L.A.? Uh, I would say everybody goes with L.A. for the look, but it, you, you good luck trying to find a girlfriend or a wife out here. You might you might actually find a chick that you can be dating and be dedicated to in the Bay. I, I think um, it's a lot of little differences. Hairstyle, Bay chicks are kind of like more like go with whatever their hair might do. You know, like out here, curly head chicks have flat irons, mm-hmm. and straight hair chicks have curling irons. They just all want to just do something different. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's just, it's just an L.A. thing. <laughs> they just be switching it up. You know, girls out here have that shit they call man sex, where you, like, you fuck her, everything is good, and before you can even, like, kick her out, she be like, I'm going to holler at you tomorrow. She be getting up, getting her shit. <laughs> I'll be mad offended. <laughs> Bitching that shit one time. I was hurt. I was like, what? She was leaving before I could tell her to leave? Like, <laughs> How dare you? She throw you the forehead kiss. <laughs> <laughs> In L.A., Oh, I'm shit. just saying. I'm just LA saying. LA chicks is cold, huh? I was about to go find me a chick from Nickerson Gardens in Maria. Yeah, you go over um, what they call that shit uh, south of Wilshire. It's like a different world. I'm talking the 30 miles on. You know, 30 miles on TMZ. Mm-hmm. Even the 30 miles on. That's where all the bullshit is. Holy that's the Hollywood West, Hollywood Beverly Hills. That's the 30 miles on. So no LA chicks, right? Inside of Wilshire. You can come on outside. You can find, you can find a real one out in the city. All right. You know, cool. ain't you an LA chick? Oh no, you from the Bay? I'm from up north. All right, all right, all right, all right, cool, cool, cool. You from LA? Hey, cool. I have some. Uh, it's cool to have a girlfriend out here. Like she got two gangbanging brothers, and then, <laughs> and, them, and them niggas actually cool with you. Niggas <laughs> actually cool with you. Hey, nigga, you better look out for my little sister, nigga. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to all the gangbangers. I'm cool with LA. Every nigga I'm cool with LA is a gangbanger. <laughs> I really ain't know. I yo, I did not like. I knew the gang culture came like from over. You know what I mean? But it's like nigga. I did not know how my niggas is like fifty two. Like dead serious. De- dedicated to the hood. My nigga, I ain't not. I don't want no beef with nobody that's fifty two and want a gang bang. And that's dead serious. Yeah, that's, a, that's some shit. When your granddaddy was from the same hood as you. <laughs> that's, we in them times now. Yeah. That's what I said. I said the generations, the more and more go, motherfuckers. Niggas ain't lying when they saying their grandmother was was this or that. You know what I mean? We we got gangster grandmas now, but we going we, our next uh next generation. We are gonna have a uh, twerking grandmas. Because <laughs> you, you, uh, well, that's you, a fact. Yeah, you get, yo, imagine, yo, this real. is gonna be some crazy. I keep telling people future uh uh family reunions. It's gonna be some old ass ladies twerking. That's the only dance they know. That's the only dance they, they don't do no other dance. Booty shake. Dance, <laughs> That's what they do. That's some real serious shit you just said, man. Yeah, because you see your grandma when she do some little fancy footsteps like, no, yep. I'm doing the dog or something. I don't know what they do. Whatever dance. That's what they did back then. <laughs> like, what is grandma's gonna be twerking at the ball? The little kid's gonna be like, what is grandma doing? It's like, she twerk, she twerking. Oh after twerking, That's I don't know so where the real. dance is gonna go. Now, like, where do you go after twerking? Like, like where, does, where does it evolve to? To straight sex, like, <laughs> yeah, pretty know. much. I think either we're gonna have to, we're gonna go all the way, motherfucking Roman or some shit, or we're gonna hit reset. Oh yeah, go back. We're gonna get, I'll get square. Who knows? Who knows? This shit is crazy. The future. So you was a menace to society. Yeah, I ain't do a lot of movies, but the ones I did, I did some good ones. 
How I feel it being that legendary ass movie? My my one claim to fame in Minister Society is uh the character of O Dog was terrorizing everybody. Mm-hmm. And if you really watch the movie, I'm the only nigga in the movie that ever pointed a gun at O Dog. <laughs> <laughs> But then I handed him the gun though after Because yeah. <laughs> I you know we was on the same side. Mm-hmm. I, I was supposed to, my, my role was I was one of their big homies. No, nah, I know. So you know. No, that's some funny shit. <laughs> that's, I, I didn't I, even I, realize I, that till you said it though. I'm the only nigga that pointed a gun at Old Dog. <laughs> <laughs> old Dog was a menace. But that was fun. It was fun shooting that movie because the Hughes brothers, they was young, new to the game. That was their first movie. Um Everybody in the movie was kind of like young. Tupac was supposed to be in that movie, but he uh, he beat up the, he was one of the Hughes brothers. He beat him up and mm. they kicked him out the movie. Well, that was the way to get out. <laughs> but he, he wasn't gonna play a gangster role. He was gonna play the uh, the righteous dude. The, oh, uh, the word! Yeah, the one. The, yeah, he was. That, oh, that was his role. He had the role. They was. I think he did some scenes. They had to like start over some shit. Oh, that's, that's crazy. But Jada Pinkett was in it. She was uh just shit. Just probably done a different world or something. And then my man, uh, I think his name was Charles Dutton. He had the TV show The Rock, whatever. Mm-hmm. Everybody else in there was like uh, Clifton Powell's in there, but it was it was like just a bunch of motherfuckers that wasn't famous. It was, and who knew that was gonna be like some cult classic movie? But it, fucking classic. I love that shit. Classic. It stands. It stands the test of time more than I don't. I don't want to you know lie or nothing, but more than Boys in the Hood, more than fucking um. What's them old movie colors? It's this. It's how doing all of them. Just standing like society, man. It is what it is. Like can't nobody say shit about that movie, my uh, God. That was twenty five years ago. But if it come on right now, you kind of just know you've seen it from beginning to end. And you still sit there and watch it. Yep, you yep. still might watch that motherfucker. Like I don't remember turning off minutes too many times. Because it's on Netflix, a different shit like that. It'll still get running too. That's crazy, man. It's society. You know what that make me think of, man? How much money do these motherfucking movie companies make off this streaming shit, man? How much money are these motherfuckers making, my nigga? But it's the, st- the streaming and the downloading brought everything back. Like mm-hmm. it, it created new income for shit that was old and dead. Mm-hmm. Shit, I went and dug up all my old songs and put them online. Hell yeah, yeah. Old old shit that I was like shit that ain't never came out. <laughs> yep. you could well. just start dropping albums on on streaming services. I'm about to go dig through my files again after I drop this this new album. I got a new well, album how coming many out. Albums does Too Short have? I kind of lost count, which is, sounds crazy, but. <laughs> It's true. I'm, Y'all I'm, niggas not working enough. <laughs> I'm, I'm calling the next one album number 20. It's the 25. It's hard to count, man. Like, I used to know how to recite them in chronological order, and I knew the songs that was on each album. Niggas be naming a song to me now. I'll be like, I made that song? <laughs> <laughs> Nigga might spit some shit to you that you don't even know. You be like, yeah. No, it's, it really is some super fans out there that know more words than my songs than I do. That's I cool. think every rapper has that shit, because... Rap ain't like R&B, man. It's a lot of words to memorize. Mm-hmm. If you get up there to five, six, seven, eight albums, it's like, nigga, I've been rapping a lot of words. A lot of- How many of your fans have you had sex with? <laughs> I, got, I got songs about that, too. Now, the, th- the theory is of me is, as, as a youngster, I'm just like, okay. I've seen rappers who totally have, like, security, and they'd be like, back up, bitch. Back the fuck up, moving through, get the fuck out the way, and I just always felt early on. I was like, you know, that's 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 like a gift. That's like yours. <laughs> so oh you know, other. So in a nutshell, 
you done fucked about 4,000 fans. He lost count of that, too. <laughs> Have you lost so count the, of your mm-hmm. sexual partners? The theory is I would fuck a two-shirt fan. It's all, it's all back back then shit, though, man. Mm-hmm. I kind of I uh, did this certain thing up to a certain level, and then I switched the program. And I started, um, back then, I would be like, I was really into, like, the benefits of what came my way. And then one day, I was like, this shit is too easy. I went through a phase of uh, two girls at a time. That was some Atlanta shit. And I was like, I just was seriously like, I would never fuck one girl. Like, it just had to. Damn, they even lived that life. To know you could live that life is great. And that was part of the the reason was, (laughs) it was like, what what can't you do? So then, I think what I do now, after I got through all that freaky shit and got all that shit out of my system, what I do now is I really like fucking with chicks that ain't too short fans. Mm. So it's like, just like, I've, I've never heard that, Todd. <laughs> I'm like, don't trip, babe. That's just what I do at work. Don't trip. <laughs> oh shit, man. That's what I'm into now. So you know, I don't want to ask you how many STDs you caught. Because uh, I ask everybody this question on the first tour. It's like it's too short. <laughs> the first two tours, we had all kind of shit that ended with ceiling like pills. We just kept them on file. We had everything. We we just had like a, we damn near had a pharmacy on just. Stay out of trouble. Was y'all scared after after Easy E got got? Yeah, I mean you, oh, yeah. you. I mean you use as many condoms as you can, but shit just happens. You you can't. You know, motherfucker. Somebody brought the crabs on the tour bus once. We was oh, fucking. Shit. We was fucked up. Everybody was trying to get rid of that shit. We we, had, we battled that shit for like a week, man. Oh my <laughs> trying to, god! Yeah, she started scratching. <laughs> yeah, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, I know. I went to war with crabs. I told y'all, <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, I've been pretty good with the uh, strap up and the kind of you know little we we have our little tests that we do and shit that we try to do our gynecologist pre test that don't always work, but I do I do two things every few months it just forever for life I've been doing I just go to the motherfucking doctor be like I think I got something just, I just and they're like well don't look like it. I just I feel like I got something just give me something if I what if I had something give me something what if yeah. So, that we do that and then uh, <clears throat> uh <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying I'm just saying. You just you just after a while, man, you kinda uh if you if you get the worst, the worst shit ever, the worst at, that'll scare your ass straight. The worst shit ever, ever, and I had it once, I don't ever want to say shit ever in my motherfucking life. That's that shit that uh that razor blade shit. It's some shit you get. What's it's, that? It's, I, I want to say it's called gonorrhea. I don't know, but you pissing out razor blades and your fucking shit is turned green and fucking pus. It's, it's the worst. It's the worst shit ever. You don't want that shit. That shit right there will make you use condoms the rest oh of your my life. God. Yeah, that shit is the worst. And it you you can't even like not go get it taken care of. It, you got to go right away. Like go <laughs> get that shit fixed. It's it's it's, it's terrible. Like you don't want that. So. Oh my God. Once you see some shit like that, and then you, you, I go to I go to the doctor all the time. And the doctor's like, you know, it's some um, incurable gonorrhea going around. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? This is new. This is some old shit oh, that's, that's that, that is supposed to have resurfaced now. That they oh, say yeah. it is. I've heard this, I heard this recently that it's incurable. So if if it's related to that razor blade shit, mm-hmm. when I say razor blade, anybody ever have a motherfucker call you and tell you that shit ain't cool. Well, I got baptized, that's, that's, so I'm good. Here yeah. we go. He thinks he don't got to wear condoms because he got baptized. Shit. Hey. You just got to believe in the Lord, man. Y'all out here um, 
being scared of the devil, and they tell you to only fear God. I'm a lightweight gynecologist. <laughs> I, I know. I've asked. I've asked the doctor quite a few questions. How much ass <laughs> have you ate in your life? I don't really lick booties. Uh, I think. Um, I think that my theory on ass is even if a girl even like try to go around there on me, I'm like you get one fucking swipe. Because if you swipe it again, I'm about to turn, stop. Like, none of that shit. So you get one swipe, and I'm like... One swipe? <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm probably the same way if I get a little too freaky in the midst of it. And I'm like, fuck, I'm going to swipe it one time. Just one swipe, get the hell away from there. Like, that's, 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 two swipes is, is bad, man. So it's, that's like that's like toilet paper. <laughs> Oh man, I stick my whole tongue in their butt. I just and I do it because sometimes they they got they 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 good people. You must do that right out right out the shower. Hey, the first <laughs> the first time I ever ate pussy, I, I didn't eat pussy till I was twenty one, and I was I was like I was like serious. Suck my dick, and I'm not eating you back out. It's just how it was. And mm-hmm. if, if you're not doing that, we ain't fucking around. So the first time I ever ate pussy, I was like fuck it. I was like kind of falling in love. I was like. I, I was like, we just let's just do it. let's do everything. <laughs> so we used to have a ritual. I guess this is how serious it is. We had to we had to get in the in a bathtub and I get to wash your pussy. <laughs> oh my god. I'm gonna wash it myself every time. <laughs> and then I'm gonna eat that oh motherfucker. God. <laughs> oh, that's that's just how it was. I don't know. That's just how it started. Nah, I understand. <laughs> I'm scared too. We got I remember the first time I ate some pussy, I was like <laughs> I was like double dutch, right? You know, <laughs> but and then you got you got all the niggas that you grow with from day one from a young age. So nigga, don't eat that pussy. Yep. Don't eat that pussy. So you you finally you get the urge. When you stop eating, that <laughs> threat, they're like, don't tell nobody. Yeah, you got to look around, make sure ain't nobody watching. Okay, <laughs> you better not tell nobody I did this shit. But then later on in life, after you get good at it, you start turning bitches out. It was like, love it. How you feel about period sex? You run red lights? If it's my chick, yeah. I, I wouldn't do it on somebody else's chick though. If it's my chick, hell yeah, we we actually we <laughs> <laughs> serial killer. I, I keep I keep, <laughs> I keep red sheets. I keep red sheets <laughs> <laughs> just for the psychological. I keep red oh sheets. My God. So you with your chick, right? And she like, motherfucker, horny, but I'm on my period. You're like, you know, I got red sheets. Yo, if that's if that's your chick, I got what red the fuck? sheets. I, this nigga's a G. When I was uh, 21, I had, I had the first time I fell in love. First time. I um, I fucked my girlfriend for 18 months straight every day. We didn't miss a day. Every day for 18 months straight, my nigga? If I left to go do a show or something, that might have been the only time. We Every day, 18 months straight, we did it every goddamn day. So Damn. We, yeah. So we was fucking shit up. We was doing all kind of shit. I be trying so to take breaks and shit. Like, bitch, leave me alone. <laughs> I was a young horny nigga. You wasn't getting tired of the pussy? It was that good. It was young love, man. Young love. Shit, I was... Was you still having sex with other women? Nope. I, that was an 18-month run of her. It was on and popping. That was... Sorry to hear that. <laughs> I look I look back on that like, damn, when am I going to get another run like that? That was a run. <laughs> it was that fire? You ain't never go back and look for her? It was just that run. That was it. You never thought about no old pussy and just went on Facebook like <laughs> her name was. <laughs> hey. Hell nah. <laughs> Cause it, you know, it was. Is this show about this? 
No. Oh. <laughs> well, like, I, had to, I had to go into it because you know Too Short is the um is a is a freak a freak legend. But when I hear Too Short, my nigga, you know what? I, I so much different things I think of my nigga. Like I think of the the like. Like you were what niggas wanted to be, cause you know little niggas is horny. You understand? So he talking about all these bitches and shit. So you like motherfucking too short is that nigga? He's having the most <laughs> sex in the world. He got all the bitches. You know what I mean? So it's like you was like the the Hugh Hef. In a nutshell, it was just saying, cause I we always that little dude. I was that little dude, man. Fourteen years old, talked some girl into getting some pussy, and then t- took her pants off and didn't know what the fuck to do. I was that nigga that, you know, just, I just, I got this far now, what do I do? I don't know what to do. So, you know, you kind of get a little game and shit. And we, we even get nervous about that moment because the first time a girl ever tried to have sex with me, it was her idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wasn't, I was just cool with the kissing and titty sucking and just, just keep playing. She was like, nigga, here, like, you know. But I think, um, <clears throat> I think that <clears throat> as a youngster, you gotta, uh, you just gotta get your, your your practice in somewhere, man. You gotta you gotta figure out what your style is on mm-hmm. on dealing with the chicks, and then you you sitting there nervous. You you like her, but she the one giving you all the play. You like I don't want you, I want her, but you don't know what to say to her, and that's where the two shirt come into play. It's like man, just walk up to her and say, I want to fuck you, and she gonna say hell no, but you, you, at least she was honest. <laughs> Instead of sitting there giving her your lunch money, uh, carrying her fucking books, uh, letting her punch you with some shit, all kind of book, <laughs> all this stupid ass shit, to find out uh, you fell in the fucking friend zone. And she, yeah. <laughs> prettiest chick that you never thought would like you is your best friend now. That's some. Bu- <laughs> that's some bullshit. Damn, yeah, that shit hurt me. Like, like it happened to me. So, a two short song was saying, "Nigga, just go up and say, suck my dick. Just say it." And then, I'm gonna tell you another story. So, I had a homie who was just he he was tricking, he was tricking, and I had a conversation. I was like, "Stop offering these bitches money!" Like five minutes after you meet him, he was like, "Well, nigga, I ain't from Oakland, nigga. I don't got no fucking game. I didn't I didn't get raised like you niggas. I don't know what to say to him. So I just say how much, and I get what I want. The bitch go home. I was like, man, just try a different theory. If we're gonna go out tonight. Try. I'm gonna give you a new theory and just try this. Every girl that you think you want fuck, just walk up to her and say. Let's go fuck. Or just tell you want to fuck. Just say it. I said, the nigga was like, that shit ain't going to work. I said, just try it. You, you, don't, you ever offering bitches money? Just walk up to the bitch and say, I want to fuck. Nigga called me the next day. Nigga said, nigga, that shit work. <laughs> <laughs> and it does. And it does. Man, you about to make me try this shit down. You do like, that. I, I do. I do. I do. I do. I mean, just honestly. And don't be like a pervert. Like, oh, I want to fuck. Like, yeah, not like absolutely. that. It's like the same way you would get a girl and you ask her for dinner or ask her to get your number. It's like, shit, I really want to fuck. Just be honest. It works a it, lot of times. It works? And then she, if she's saying, you know, you got to think on your feet, man. She might even be like, fuck. Like, like no, not right now. Not tonight. <laughs> like, you know, you got to feel it out. Exactly. <laughs> like, eventually. <laughs> Yo, how much trouble did you get and how much trouble did you get him for bringing that gun in the airport? That was happened to be a misdemeanor because it wasn't on my person. It wasn't actually on me. And I uh, paid a fine. Didn't get the gun back. T 
TSA charged me a fine, like 500 and then Burbank made me pay some money to the city of Burbank. But had the cop walk up to you and on you, that's a straight fucking felony. But some, I did, man, that's the third time I did that shit. I did that shit in Atlanta. And uh, it's, it's something that a lot of people who aren't criminals do by accident. Yeah, because they just use it. And to. for that reason, it's not this crazy-ass criminal charge. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I wouldn't check the stats. It was like, in one year, nationwide, there's probably like 1,200-something people that did it. So I, I just checked because I didn't want to be the only fucking <laughs> idiot Tiny, that went there. Tiny's daughter, T.I.'s stepdaughter, yeah, just yeah, got caught doing the shit. same shit. It's a misdemeanor, fortunately, that you, you know, but if you touching that motherfucker when they like, you got a gun on you, that's just a big difference. It was accidentally left in a jacket or, a or a bag or something. Mm-hmm. You know, that's cool. It's cool. I, the fuck that part is I wanted that gun. You know, you don't want to get one. It was my little bitty gun, the little one that you carry in your pocket and you never notice it. It was that little one that just, you know, leave me alone, nigga. <laughs> that leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, shit. Them, them leave me alone. You got they got to make a lot of noise. You don't really want to. You just want niggas to get the fuck away from you. I learned that shit a long time ago though. I used to always carry guns. I ain't never shot nobody. I ain't never been shot, but I used to always carry guns. And it just be like you know we've been in wild places and niggas be running and stampeding and scared of shit. And my niggas it was just old trick. Just everybody's running and scared and shit. You just stand in one spot and shoot about two three shots in the air. And niggas get the fuck away from you. Mm-hmm. So in the middle of all the melee, nothing comes your way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's the most dangerous city you felt like you've been to? Uh, probably New Orleans. I don't know. In, at certain times, they all been kind of crazy, man. Detroit niggas, Detroit niggas keep me on alert when I'm in Detroit. Yeah, I'll be on alert. And then that, <laughs> that new Chicago, oh boy, yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy, you know, it's a lot of wild cities out there. St. Louis. I used to be in New Orleans a lot, and that shit was like that was that. You ever heard that stupid shit about the um? Um, uh, they rap about it a little bit. New Orleans rappers, some somehow you kill a motherfucker, and if they can't find nobody to snitch on you or point you out or, or build a, a solid case on you within like thirty days, then they can never charge you with the murder. Like you get away with it. Like that was some, I don't I don't know if that's a law out there now. Research it. New Orleans is dangerous. <laughs> niggas was killing niggas, and then be like telling anybody that might say something. You know what's gonna happen if you so you, you thirty days if you don't get charged with the if you don't get charged by thirty days. And you'll never get charged with it. So niggas was killing niggas out there. Wow, that's crazy. Well, I already heard what man, like weird shit with the with the system down there. Niggas just buying their way right out of jail. <laughs> but hey, you know, I I feel like if you're from that environment, you kind of learn your, you learn how to navigate around it. Like if you drop me off at a at the fucking country club, the golf club, with your private golf club. I would have to ask everybody, hey, man, how do I get to the to the knife hole? How do I, you know, where's the restroom? But you drop a nigga off in the hood <laughs> with a bunch of wild motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. I'm going to find my way to to somewhere stable. That's if you fact. just drop me off, you know, them, them shows, they should do that show, man. Just drop a nigga, drop you off in the jungle and shit. They should drop a nigga off in the hood. <laughs> With no resources. <laughs> no resources. I been. I told somebody, I said, yo, if I wanted to know if a kid was mine, a boy was mine, I would put three chains on him, drop him in Brownsville, and if he come back unharmed, he my kid. Oh. <laughs> you got to do that hey. with white people. Drop an Ivy League Harvard student in the, in the middle of Compton and just say, find your way. 
Make, make it back to Wilshire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and you man. win the game. That's, that's, that'd be a good show. Yeah, it really would because <laughs> it, it, it actually it, – it, the, the reason I thought of that was because we was having an argument basically on – um, street smarts and book smarts And I'm like yo street smarts could bring you A lot of places in surviving Than you know Than the book smart you know what I mean A motherfucker might be book smart On how to live in the woods though And you don't know how to live in the woods <laughs> He might know how to make a fire or some shit You don't you know what I mean but yeah, right. motherfucker They were shooting this scene in the Menace it was, They shot Menace parts of, When I was doing my part they was in Watts In the uh, Jordan Downs and that's like a rough ass project. Yeah, I was there yesterday. And um, the little niggas came out and they was heckling the movie shoot. Like they shooting the movie and these niggas is like right off camera telling jokes and laughing and kind of disrupting the set a little bit. And niggas like, nigga. Because it's that scene where a uh, dude was like with the cheeseburgers in the, in the alley and it was all these like dope fiends walking through the alleys and, and buying dope and shit. And niggas like, because if you look at that scene right now, it's like these random like white people looking like crackheads and everybody like drugged out. And it's like, nigga, this, this is the Jordan Downs. If you want this scene to be real, lay all them white people on the ground. Because <laughs> he was like, because if they was really over here, that's what they would be doing. <laughs> like, lay them on the ground. And they just, that's real. <laughs> like, nigga. That's hilarious. So drop a nigga off in Compton and Watts, and he got to get back to Hollywood to get the prize. God that's damn. that's a mother that's a motherfucking that's American crazy. Ninja Warrior. What is that shit? Y'all can do that shit. I'm right here, LA. I got all the movie studios, the TV shit. Somebody need to put that together. That shit would be hilarious. You think that's a joke? Ain't gonna... You drop a motherfucker from Alaska in the middle of Compton. Hey. You know the insurance and liability you would have to have behind that. What's the difference between a nigga walking to Brooklyn for cheesecake? Exactly. <laughs> nigga walked to Brooklyn for cheesecake. Yeah. You remember that shit? Nigga. Puff said they just got sued for niggas' feet because I know them niggas' feet was oh, yeah. fucked up after that walk, my nigga. Them niggas walked from Times Square to Junior's to get cheesecake, man. And had to walk back, right? Yeah, and had to walk back for a deal. And I commend them niggas that did that because I, I wouldn't that. have. I ain't doing that. I would, y'all would have never seen me again. They'd be like, you that little black nigga with the chip tooth. He going off the show. <laughs> 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 Fuck out of here But yeah yo That was tax season We here with Too Short The motherfucking legend The motherfucking pimp What you got going on man? Uh, Just a lot of stuff I I brought my new artist here Her name is Anna Lou Anna Lou How you doing? She's got some hot music Anna Lou is mad pretty What's your Instagram and shit like that? My Instagram is official Anna Lou Everything with me is official Anna Lou So yeah check out her Oh so you official then huh? Yeah yeah, she's a real hustler though, man. She um, you sing it, you rap, sing. She sings, but she got this one song. Where she's flowing. You got a little, you got a nice flow. Yeah, sometimes I have two sides to myself, so yeah. sometimes I like to. Rap. And I've seen you as a rapper at like two or three parties, just mm-hmm. rapping. I'm a, I'm gonna check some uh, music out, y'all. I'll let yeah, y'all she got a bunch of YouTube videos. Anilu A N A L O U Anilu. Uh, the new single is about to drop. What's what's the new single? It's called Bet on Me, featuring Too Short. Featuring Make who? Sure you guys, featuring Too Short. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you guys check it out. Bet right. on me. Bet on me. Short has this new thing down uh, in downtown LA where it's all called Digital Boombox, where he has a mm-hmm. record label, a production in house, all this like creative space that has all kind of different shit going it's on. Like a, one of his things is getting female artists and having it be the. That's kind of the basis of his his record. That's the new right thing, now. man. I'm working with a. Uh, I got a couple you gotta male artists. Space. You got a dope ass space. Run that. But I'm I'm really like getting into the R and B, a little more uh, you know, hip hop kind of R and B. But 
I built this spot, man. I mean, I've been I've been owning studios since I got my first studio in '89. First, first, uh, first time I realized that uh, the guy who I was paying to be in his studio. He was charging me more than the goddamn equipment was worth. I'm like, I'm going to buy my own oh, damn shit. studio. <laughs> you know, you're paying $20 an hour for how, how many days, how many sessions, how many. Mm-hmm. So I've been on the studio since all through the 90s, all through the 2000s, ever since. Never, I've never been without a studio. I'm not talking about like a single studio. I'm talking like three labs, you know, two nice labs, mm-hmm. big ass warehouse, lounges and shit. So um, this time around, I was like, we got to go over the top with this shit. Rap, rap music. Uh, pop music, R and B music, whatever the fuck we doing, rock and roll, whatever we doing. You, you these days, you want to see it. Mm-hmm. First thing you say is, "What's your Instagram? Uh, what you got on YouTube? What's you know? Let me let me see what the fuck you got. Let me see who you are." So, I built a spot, man. We we can we can actually sit in house and visualize the music. As a stage, you can perform. As a uh, you know, green screens, whatever you want to do. We have a uh, you know, the, the equipment is on is on the premises where you got, you got the cameras. You ship the shit, you got the rooms, the equipment to go edit the shit, mm-hmm. then you go in another room, you fucking upload the shit, and just don't waste no fucking time. And, and now, the new thing we're getting into is, uh, and I'm not an inventor of any of this shit, I just roll with the times, is we trying to get these records out as fast as we make them. If it's hot, this is, this is what I'm being told now, put that motherfucker out tomorrow, put it out next week, shoot the video, let's go. Mm-hmm. So, I need to have that facility for the new artists I'm working with to have that at their, you know, Smoke. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, not so much for me. I'm getting my grind on. I'm, I'm dropping an album this year. I'm, re- I'm I wrote a book. I'm dropping a book. I'm dropping a docu series to commemorate what it's like to to be in the game for thirty years, and then just passing it on, man. Pass the torch on. I want to uh, I want to really like help artists find their way, and that's and not just making a good song. But I'm like. It's a it's a new world out here. What they call that three sixty. These labels, when they sign you to the three sixty, it's uh they want to know that if I put you on this record and this record blows up and you get famous, I can't allow you to go start a clothing company, be a movie star, mm-hmm. and and own some other product and not give me part of it. So I'm mm-hmm. signing you right now to a three sixty deal. That means you my artist and everything you do outside you of that, I'm in on that too, mm-hmm. and. What I'm saying to the artist is, we are our own fucking 360. You know what I'm saying? We independent, so we don't need a motherfucker to tell me that I'm gonna put you in this circle and you make all this money for me. We gonna do we gonna do 360 on our own. So we get into this shit where, where we run we run our own YouTube channel. We run our own fucking uh, distribution. We do it ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's just clicks now, man. How you gonna tell me that this? Because the, the 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 game was that these labels are so powerful all these years is because they knew. The distribution. They had the distribution, and they knew how to promote and get the records played. And man, we we got cut Spotify and Pandora now. We got to have relationships to put they they album in Walmart and shit like that. You don't need the shit no more. Uh-uh. Yeah, click. It's over. And then you know, I mean, if niggas want to learn how this shit is evolving, so yeah, you know, I mean, the stats are telling us now that under twenty five, motherfuckers ain't even really buying shit. They just going to stream it or download it for free or whatever. And what you want to do is you just want to be fucking popular. You don't really, you're not really trying to chase that dollar for the sale. Like buy my shit, I want that money. You kind of want to lure a motherfucker in as a fan, and then just make money off just just having the most fans. It's like you you build those numbers up. You don't need these people come to your shows. People fucking end up buying your shit off iTunes. Motherfuckers, uh, you know they fucking buy the products you endorse. They 
you know, whatever the fuck it is. You know, you just kind of get famous and you make money. So uh, that's what we're doing, man. We're just trying to make I stars. I think they tricked rappers into really believing that they needed them. Because, you know, like, it's been indie rock bands from the beginning of time. And not just one and two and three and four, like hundreds, you know what I mean? And if you just watch the other side of the music industry, you'll know what to do. That's why I be trying to tell these dudes, like, chill out. Everything is not a deal. The whole thing, the deal, that I mean, even in the movie world, shit, it just sounds so good. The niggas think they need it. Like, yo, I just got a deal. Like, no, deal yourself, nigga. <laughs> you know what I mean? You look at Hollywood, though. These motherfuckers are like, oh, my man, my man get $20 million a movie. He balling. Him twenty million, He getting $20 million a movie. That movie is making $600 million. Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's like it's the same. Money. It's the same game as the music label. Yeah. The music game. It's the, they try to give you ten percent, man. They just want to give a nigga ten percent. That's you're all. Not getting, you're not. You're not getting that complete ownership. Ten percent that bag they getting, and that's all it is. That's why you got to. I do shout out to all the people that's doing independent shit. That's out there really doing their thing. Tyler Perry did it for a minute. He owned all them fucking tapes and. And he he popped off, you know what I mean? And before he went big, yeah, he was he did, had a hell of an independent movie with the uh, mm-hmm. with the with the with the, the play the play tours. Shit. And he put the DVD out. You had, you bought, you watching the new play? You could buy the old DVD in the lobby. He was getting it. Mm-hmm. He was getting it. it's like uh, like those big churches. <laughs> you go like I I used to go to like uh, I, I like to go to church. You know, like like a good Baptist church just for the concert. So you go like one of them big ass churches in Atlanta. Motherfucking, uh, they got the guest choir from the church sixty miles down the road. They, they, you know, that people. It's a whole like three hour movement, and then right when it's all over, somebody has already pressed and packaged what you just saw, mm-hmm. and it's you ain't even it ain't even been over fifteen minutes, mm-hmm. and the shit's in the on the way out the door. If you want to copy, <laughs> on sale on that's DVD, that shit. That's that shit that. though. You looking like. <laughs> That's that motivation of why I got my spot the way it is because I seen those big churches and I seen you know That's real the operation shit, like you, I, this just happened and walk out with a copy of it right now. That's the shit you can't beat that. That is yeah. some fly shit. I can't even lie. Now that no, you say it, dope. I, that's why I was trying to take you up there. That's what we're trying to. Do yeah, we got three recording studios. Uh, it's just, it's just, you know, it's just where we can house everybody that needs to. It's got living spaces there and shit. Like, if somebody needs mm. to, like, live there. Hey, I'm about to move in. <laughs> Don't forget the barbershop. I'm going to move That's in. What's the square feet? Slash hair salon. <laughs> it's probably about uh, about 14,000 square feet, somewhere in there. Damn. It's a nice building. All right. Too Short is not playing out here, y'all. And it's right in the middle of Compton. <laughs> <laughs> That's decent. It's hot as a motherfucker. We got to go outside and smoke some weed. <laughs> Yo, that's motherfucking tax season. Podcast, too short, motherfucking bay, Cal. What's your name again? Anna Lou. Make sure y'all think I seen your shit. Matter of fact, I think yeah, I think I have seen your shit. Anna Lou. A n a n n a. One in. Hold on, let me look first. Yeah, she's a she's a hustler. She do, and you know what? You got these chicks that go around here like, oh yeah, this is my artist. I'm signing so and so. No, I promise you. Her music is great. She finds her own beats. She goes and networks. She gets um, shows. She gets her shit. The video shot. The motherfucking uh, artwork done. We have to work together. We do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kelly makes shit happen. Yeah. Okay, that's the exact. That's pretty much what she does. No, that was a different shit. All right. All right. Yeah. So make sure y'all go follow motherfucking Anna Lou, motherfucking um on Instagram. Go check her YouTube out. 
Bet on hey. me featuring Too Short. And you come to LA and you need to get some motherfucking work done. You holler at motherfucking Too Short because this thing got fourteen thousand square feet. You go get a shape up. That's what we do doing, album, man. I, shoot I, I, a movie, get a blowjob. I recommend <laughs> everybody, man. You you you, uh, you got these dreams of uh, Lamborghinis and Ferraris and you know hundred thousand dollars worth of jewels. It take about a few hundred thousand, man. You know half a million dollars, and you can build your ass to a future. Just a, you know, we building compounds now, man. You want a little studio with uh, <clears throat> with some uh, Pro Tools, man. We that's the thing we- I don't think people know about you. I know because I know you and I fuck with you and I work with you. But he's so business, it's crazy. Like he's so smart and he has his hand in so much shit that he don't ever talk about. And like he don't have to do shit again. And he's gonna sit mm-hmm. here, like we build compounds. I'm, I'm just saying, my young homies, mm-hmm. they getting money. If you can go out there and wiggle your way into a, a Rolls Royce or a Bentley and a motherfucking Lamborghini, you sitting on what we talking about right now. Mm-hmm. And that's like the shit, man. The tools, and you sitting there. You got these labels giving you these budgets, or even you got somebody investing in you. You're wasting a whole lot of fucking money in these big fly ass studios. See, like we talking about, reeducate the youth. Y'all need to mm-hmm. reeducate. Only time you need to go in that big ass studio is when you're trying to mix your album down on that overpriced ass equipment for two hundred dollars an hour and all that shit. That shit is not what you want to waste your budget on. Mm-hmm. And you could be owning your own shit if you really stack your money. I know niggas sitting niggas, niggas got SLs in their house, man. SSL boards in their house. Mm-hmm. Yep. Stuff that motherfucker up in there if that's what you want. Yep. Mm-hmm. But you know, I, I go to the big studios when it's time to mix down. Outside of that, we've been from day one recording our own that's shit. We're not. I don't that's want nobody else's right. studio. I record in your fucking closet and take that budget, nigga. Yeah, I'm, I'm I, I, who was I talking to? Drummer boy. Drummer boy was like, man, I love this shit. He's like, man, I got an empty warehouse at back home in Memphis. I said, nigga, you need to build this for your niggas in Memphis. Mm-hmm. You making hit records, you making them beats, build it. You got a fucking empty warehouse, build it. <laughs> shit. Real shit. Fuck that yeah. Snoop Dogg shit. My shit, I said 14,000 square feet. I think his shit might be 30,000, 40,000 square feet. This new <laughs> compound. Yeah, I heard you. And it's got a lot in there. Who's? Snoop. Oh, that shit is ridiculous. Yeah. I, you know, that and I, I go to his spot and I'm like, man, this is the shit. He come to my spot and go, man, this is the shit. I love this motherfucking shit. You know, I go over to Will I Am spot. And I'm like, Will, this is the shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you want that compound, man? I go over mm-hmm. to Dr. Dre spot. He got a he got a studio out here. You go in that motherfucker, and it's just music coming from every room. Shit, you like? I don't, I don't know if that shit ever comes out, but I know they make <laughs> a, they make a, they make a lot of it. I'm, I'm just saying, they make a lot of it. Dre might have, Dre might have more records than Pac if he die. I fuck with Dre, man. I fuck with Dr. Dre. Nigga called me to the studio. Dr. Dre said, um, I want to do a song with you. Put you on the 16-bar verse. He already had the words that I'm supposed to say was already there. You know, Dre's a, he's a perfectionist. So I didn't have a choice of rapping my bars. I had a, a verse handcrafted. And then uh, he coached me through the verse. It takes me... Hour, hour and a half, two hours tops. Just write a verse, spit it, tighten it up, record it, all this shit, done. I was in the studio with Dre for eight hours doing one verse. Nigga called me and said, um, hey, nigga, I need you to come back and fix some things on that verse. <laughs> I came back with Dre for another eight-hour session working on the verse. The nigga dedicated, me and him, working on the verse. Then the nigga called me back. He said, man. It's one part. I went back for another fucking four hours, and I promise you. And Snoop Dogg warned me before I went, and he said, Dre breaks niggas down. They walk out the studio with their tails between their legs. They can't hang. <laughs> he said, Snoop said, whatever he said, do, just do it. Mm-hmm. Went in the fucking studio for the third time, and nigga had me say, the pussy, 
for about four hours. <laughs> and I'm like, nigga, I don't have to say the pussy. This nigga's like, you got to say the pussy. Like, you got to say it. But finally, I got the right pussy in. And we kicking it, we drinking, we having a good time. And the nigga was like, hey, you know, just send the invoice over to so-and-so. So I sent the invoice over with a nice, 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 generous number. Like, you know, just hook your boy up. That nigga sent me a check twice that amount. I ain't never knew no nigga in the game get down like that. I, yeah. I, you asked me for you asked me for your price and I agree to it. I'm giving you that's that price. Yeah. That nigga sent me a check for double it. He said whatever that nigga asked for, I double it. As Dre, and that's a that's the like that's the official. that's like the dopest verse I ever spit in my life. The way it sound on the playback, you be like this nigga short went in the zone, but really I just got produced by Dr. Dre. <laughs> 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 it just. And it, it, it hurts. It hurts. No, it hurts. Though it hurts because it never came out. Oh. It never came out. Oh, yeah, that's mad funny. Son. It was an aftermath song, but he made two hundred songs. One album. Mm. Holy shit! Yeah, you got to you got to respect that type of work. After that, should bring the best shit out, man. The best producers you hear that motherfuckers tell you, man. Motherfuckers are going on, on, on one song for fucking oh, three weeks. But you know. Uh, I was talking to my man Shakespeare out in Atlanta, and you know we all know this shit. But some niggas make beats. Shay, I met Shake. Yeah. Some niggas make beats. Other niggas are producers. Mm-hmm. It's a big difference between a beat maker and a producer. That's a fact. Absolutely. Yep. So you know, some of us are artists. We'll take a beat that you slide me, and we'll take it back to the lab, touch on it, rap on it, fix the hook. On it. I I produce that shit, but I put the album out and get the beat maker production credit. You know what? You know where that goes wrong. Is when you work with an artist who, you work with a producer who's had hit records, but he's really a fucking beat maker. So you calling this nigga, I love this nigga's beats. You didn't know that somebody else went in there and fixed that shit and made it the way you like it. You call this nigga like, man, you need, I need a beat. Niggas, niggas prices up there and shit, he got hit records out. But he can't produce. That shit is a big fucking letdown. True. You get in the studio with a nigga, all right, nigga, let's make a song. But he don't know how to. Yeah. I keep telling rappers that shit. They be in the studio with a nigga to make beats. He can't help you. Can't tell you how to sound. Change your voice. Nigga just looking at you like, make the record. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, and kick back. That's not producing. Yeah, you gotta sit in there. You gotta know. You gotta know how to rearrange some shit. The levels and shit. The motherfucking uh, you know, and a bet. The best thing I like about producers is when they tell you how you should, you know, come on the song at a certain point. Like, like man. You know, I work with a nigga like Jazzy Faye, and I'm like sitting there flowing. This nigga like, hey, right there, re- do it like that. And I'm like, I do it, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that shit dope. You know, I, I, did, a, I did a ton of songs with Lil John. That nigga, uh, we did that song, Shake That Monkey. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you what the fuck I rapped, but we was in Miami, and I took the beat, went to my room. I wrote three verses, came back to the studio, recorded that shit. That nigga came in and said, I had a whole different idea for that song. <laughs> I'm sitting there like, nigga, I've been here rapping for the last two hours. <laughs> Scrapped it. He go in there and lay a fucking hook. He's like, this is the song. Then I go back and write my shit. And I'm like, okay, we got it. But, you know, he was producing. I, I sit there, whatever subject for whatever yeah, subject I was on the words, I was saying, what for that beat? Mm-hmm. And then we come back. I listen to the producer. And we get a record that lasts the test of time. You know? You should have seen us in there arguing about Blow the Whistle. <laughs> <laughs> Telling him to take out all the sounds, and he kept going, "No, man, it was like a rock guitar in there too." 
From Little John was on the crunk rock. Yeah, I remember that shit. And the, I was like, the guitar got to go. <laughs> Taking the stand. And he was like, man, that's that shit. That's, most of the time, he'd be right in the studio. I, me and Lil John, I, I voice my opinion with producers. Most of the time, he's right. But I got him on that one, though. He, <laughs> he came back. He was like, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. You did, you did it right. Yeah, y'all motherfuckers definitely had a nice little run with them shits, boy. Mm-hmm. Came out of nowhere, too. I don't know. It's something about y'all Bay niggas, man. Y'all niggas just, y'all niggas don't leave. They, yeah, they, I, they E-40, that nigga time. ain't going nowhere. Word of mother, yo. An independent spirit, man. I recommend that shit to anybody, man. You could, uh. Yeah, he, 40 even got a new wave going right now, too. Like a new one, not even resting on his old shit. He got, right. he's, he's got if, a new wave. He's got complete. Stop. Uh uh-uh. Yeah, he's got completely two different performances he could do on stage. He could do old school 40, or he could just do a whole new school show. Mm-hmm. I got a little lineup where I can uh, rock the kids. Hey, that's a good feeling, though, man. To be like an OG. That's what and I mean. You, you look at the crowd, seeing under 18s, and they, they rocking along with you. I'm like, Damn, nigga, that made this song before you was born. Yep. <laughs> That's wild. Holy shit. That's it. Motherfucking too yeah, short. Oh my god, I'm tired and I'm hot in this motherfucker. That's motherfucking sunshine. I smoke some weed. Her mama named her sunshine. Sunshine. Her driver's license. Beauty over here. <laughs> she does look radiant. But she prefers to be called, yo, son. What's up, son? Yeah, what up, son? <laughs> what's up, son? You like to be called that? No. <laughs> Sun. Sunshine's a little much. Yeah, you keep telling everybody. He's like, hi. Hi, how you doing, son? Oh, hold on. Let me just close it out. Tax season. Ta- ta- don't steal the coasters. Um, <laughs> I know you from Watts. I know you from Watts. I know I'm joking. That's motherfucking tax season podcast, man. Too short. Hey. Uh, motherfucking Carol Rochelle and motherfucking Anna Lou. And sunshine is in the building. (laughs) All right, y'all. Be safe, though. This episode of Tax Season was produced by Jonathan Menor and executive produced by Chris Morrow. This is an official Loudspeakers Network production.